0: This is the leadership lessons podcast hosted by pastor daniel williams a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders brought to you by eeleaders.com well hello everyone i hope that you are well and that you are growing as a leader uh, I've been praying for you and praying that God is working in you and through you. And to be honest with you, I'm just humbled and amazed to think about how our God is working in and through us. Um, weak, ve- weak vessels like us. Uh, I've been growing a lot this season. Um, it's been this real stretch for me to try to get a weekly episode out, but I know that is worth it because there's nothing better than doing what God has called. You to do and so i'm glad that god has called me to be with you once again and even in ministry ministry could be hard but man it is definitely worth it serving jesus and seeing him work in our lives and um, that's what i try to do in ee leaders i try to encourage you and equip you to do the things that god has called you to do and i know that we're better together as a community and so i want to do all that i can do to help you to bless you uh, part of that is um, this podcast but also there are other things that ee leaders are doing is doing um, we're hosting a conference called the refresh conference it's specifically for those that are serving Jesus in our community to be refreshed, to be encouraged, to be equipped, and I just wanna invite you personally to this conference. It's gonna be November 9th and 10th here in Delray Beach, Florida, and it's just gonna be a sweet and rich time of fellowship. Everyone is welcome to come, but it's bent towards leaders and people that are serving Jesus just like yourself, specifically just to bless you. And so I brought a couple of pastor friends in, David Guzik, uh, he's written a whole commentary in the Bible at EnduringWord.com. You could check that out. And I have another friend of mine who's an orphanage director in Mexico, Jason Santes, going to be sharing with us and doing worship as well. And so I'd love to have you join us. You can get all the details and info at RedemptionDB.com slash conference. RedemptionDB.com dot com slash conference. And I love, uh, this conference. It's just a sweet time to be able to have fellowship with people that you serve with here in the community. And so I'd love to meet you personally. If I've never had before, uh, I'd love to have you come and feel free to spread the word and help me spread the word to get people in a room together to have fellowship to worship Jesus and just to be encouraged and equipped together. So looking forward to that. And recently, I was with my friend, Pastor Rodney Wilkerson. Uh, Wilkinson. Um, he's the pastor over at Gospel Fellowship in Boynton Beach, and he asked me to share to his leadership team about a subject that I was a little uncomfortable with. Like, I'm a Bible guy and I love uh, having a verse and expository teaching, and he says, hey, can you just come in and teach on uh, a half an hour for uh, the subject of recruiting and retaining volunteers. Recruiting and retaining volunteers. And, uh, man, I, I'm not an expert in this subject, but I thought about it, I studied it, and the Lord really gave me a verse of, of encouragement to be able to recruit and retain volunteers. This is what we do, is we talk about a, a team approach from last episode, and how do we actually get a team? Well, we have to recruit them, we have to retain them, we have to work together to get great things done. And so, um, I thought... As we're talking about having a team approach to the podcast, as I've recommended the book of the month this month on Sticky Teams by Larry Osborne, it would be a great thing to talk to you about this subject as well. So today we're gonna talk about recruiting and retaining volunteers. Recruiting and retaining volunteers. Recruitment can be uh, an intimidating word and is usually by the military. Uh, The definition, I looked it up, is the action of enlisting new people in the armed Forces. It's a word that implies persuading or asking, enlisting people for a task. And it, it seems very intimidating first, but the reality is it also could mean enrollment or to enroll someone as a member or a worker in an organization or a supporter of a cause. You're, you're trying to persuade someone to do or assist in doing something. And so when we talk about recruiting people in the church for ministry, we're simply saying this. We want to encourage and persuade people to serve God by serving others, right? As leaders, we want people uh, to be encouraged and to ask and persuade and recruit people to serve God by serving others. And this seems like a pretty biblical thing. Uh, If you think about the story in John chapter 13, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. After he did this, he... Told the disciples, If then your Lord and teacher having washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Uh, Peter would write in his letter, first Peter four, ten and eleven, he would tell us the importance of um, using your gifts to serve other people, to serve the Lord. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's variety of grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so serving is a part of our faith. It's how we grow. And we should want to recruit people to mature and to grow in the body and to serve one another encourage people to do that and so what I want to talk to you today about is recruiting and retaining volunteers and talk about the how. How do we recruit people to serve Jesus? How do we recruit people to volunteer? uh, To encourage them, to enlist them to do this great task to fulfill the great commission that Jesus has commanded all of us to do. And so this is going to be very practical and I want to give you, uh, just sort of a passage of context to look at. When my pastor friend Rodney told me to teach on this, I was, I was intimidated. I was a little scared. I was like, where, where do I go? How do I look at this? And, and the Lord really just brought me to this passage in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Um, The context is Jesus is just starting his ministry. He's preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And now he's going to gather a team. And so we see that being a part of a team is important. Having apprentices and people that could help with a vision. Having a great vision requires a great team. And Jesus was one of those people that had disciples and gathered a team. And so how did he do it? Let me give you some framework and context from this passage that we're going to be looking at. Uh, It's Mark chapter one, verses 16 through 18, it says, passing along the sea of Galilee, he, speaking of Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And so from this simple passage, I want to look at six practical things that can help us recruit and retain people for ministry. We really want to be able to recruit, but also not just enlist people, but also retain them for ministry to serve alongside people. And so, number one, have the right attitude. Listen, following Jesus is worth it. I think our attitude for recruiting others needs to be positive. It's a good thing to serve God. This is how you mature. This is how you grow. From the passages of 1 Peter or John chapter 13 which I just read. The disciples they left their nets immediately in this passage because they knew it was a privilege to serve Jesus. And I think sometimes the problem we have as leaders is we feel guilty by asking others to serve God or to serve his church because we know it's hard. It takes sacrifice. But here's the reality. That's the wrong attitude. We shouldn't feel guilty. We should be encouraged and in Uh, encouraged to tell people to follow Jesus. Why would we feel guilty if we're persuading others to sacrifice and to serve with their lives? Didn't Jesus say in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, serving is beneficial for people's lives. I don't know about you, but it's been beneficial for me to serve Jesus. And so we need to understand that our attitude makes a difference. Uh, Many times, um, I hear this from people and even leaders like my wife, Laura. She'll feel bad or guilty that people in children's ministry have to serve twice in a month sometimes. And I tell her, you shouldn't. It's a great opportunity that we can invest in kids, that our mission is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we're proclaiming Jesus to these kids. It is an incredible privilege to serve Jesus. And see, we need to have this passion that serving Jesus is a good thing. And so I see this principle that having a good attitude, Jesus didn't, have shame, he said, hey, follow me. Leave your nets and come over here. And people follow passion. That's the tool. See, the principle is having a good attitude, but but the tool is, man, when you're recruiting people, have some passion. Uh, I I have a a leader in our church, and um, he is super passionate about Marvel, uh, comic books, and movies. Now, this is a very important principle for me because I don't really care about Marvel, comic books, or movies. But yet, I've seen myself enjoy the movies way more when he's talking about them. I'm talking about uh, he has a hat, he has shirts, he's on Facebook three weeks before the big Avengers movie saying who's coming with me, we're planning it out, we're doing this, and he's just passionate about it. Many of you know him, he's Brian. And, and Brian gathers people in our church and we go see this movie and just experience it. And I'll be honest with you, I probably wouldn't see half of those movies if it wasn't for Brian. Because he's so passionate, I wanna follow him. See, people follow passion. They follow conviction. And if you're passionate, if you have the right attitude to say, hey, it is worth it, and you could testify that and gather people together, you know what, they're gonna follow that. They're gonna see, wow, this is worth it. They may not even believe it or not, and you know what? After a while, after investing many years of my life in the Avengers movies, man, I I started to like these things uh, because, you know what? I got caught with his passion. It it rubbed off on me and now I like these movies and it's really cool to be able to see that. And Jesus had no problem asking these guys. He didn't feel guilty one iota to say, hey, come and follow me. Leave making money for something greater. And you know what? We should be doing the same thing with people in our church. Follow Jesus, serve his people. Man, it blessed my life. It's going to bless your life. And as you have that passion, that tool to be able to pass that on to other people, man, they're going to follow and they're going to be blessed. The second thing we see in this passage is Jesus personally asked the disciples. He chose them. We need to personally ask people to serve God, to serve in the church, to serve outside of the church, to to ask them to follow God is significant. In this passage, they were fishermen. That means that they were, um, failed. They must have failed Jewish school. Uh, history tells us that uh, Jewish boys, to be able to become a rabbi, they would have to learn the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And if they were good students, they would go on to learn uh, the whole entire Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi. And they would be quizzed on it and learn it and be an education. The rabbi would go and see if that disciple would be an apprentice to do what they did. And he would choose those disciples based off their ability. But these guys will they weren't in Jewish school. They were working the trade at a very young age because if you didn't, weren't good enough, you would go work your daddy's trade. And so they were working their daddy's trade, being fishermen, but Jesus saw that they could do what he could do, that they could become something great. And so Jesus goes to them personally and calls them out. And I think one of the best ways we can recruit people is seeing the potential in people. Many people can't see their own gifts, they can't see their own talents, they think they're not good enough, but we as leaders need to look for potential and ask people personally, hey, I believe in you, I see this in you, will you come and join me? These fishermen were just doing their life until Jesus saw something greater for them. And we need to speak potential in people's lives. And the tool to be able to do that is a little tool called I see in you. I see in you. It's just saying, hey, I see and you that you have leadership capacity, or see this gift in you. Uh, you know, you can be singing in a service next to someone, they could have a beautiful voice and you can go after them and say, hey, have you considered singing on the worship team? You have a beautiful voice, I see in you the potential to lead us in worship. Or, or maybe you see someone um, always explaining things to people You could say, I I see in you that you got the gift of teaching. Would you ever consider maybe teaching Sunday school or teaching in a small group? Because you always explain situations so well. See, when people have a gift, they operate naturally and they need other people, part of the body that are different to say, hey, that's something special. That's something good. As leaders, we need to see that in other people and the potential. And Jesus went to them one-on-one and he asked them to help. And one-on-one recruiting is always the best, right? It's, it's, you know this as a pastor. It's way better than an announcement. You can give a vague announcement about children's ministry or you can go talk to someone who's very gifted with kids and say, I see in you, you have this gift. Would you like to serve in this capacity in this way? And so Jesus asked these guys uh, for them to lead specifically and said, follow me. And that's the third thing, he, he gave instruction to them. When, when we recruit people, one of the ways that we recruit them and retain them is by giving them instruction, telling them to follow certain things. As leaders, we must give instruction and clear expectations to those that follow us. So a new person wants to know what to do. You remember that? If someone, if you ask them to help out, they're, they're gonna say, okay, what what do you want me to do? And it's okay as a leader to give clear, expectations and instructions, and it's important. New people wanna know, what what time do I need to be there? What's the commitment? What's the dress code? What do I do? And I would recommend that you write these things down. It's important to communicate and will help you to recruit and retain volunteers when you say, hey, this is what you wear, this is the expectation, here's the commitment, it's for a, a quarter, a six month, a year commitment, this is what it looks like to serve. But the best training is through relationship. Notice that Jesus didn't just give these guys a manual. He said, follow me. It was relational. It's like that saying goes, vision is caught, not just taught. Now Jesus did give instruction and did say these things. We do have the word of God, but we follow Jesus the person. And so as a leader, we set the pace of our culture. People follow our lead, not just what we say, but what we do. And it doesn't matter what the rules say, What are people doing? People follow other people. And so Jesus knew this and he said, hey, follow me. And so we must give instruction with our lives and understand that we lead by example. This is why I always want to train people with another person because training, the best way you retain people is through relationship because it will be good for both the new person and the older person for culture. See, the new person will learn from that older person could have questions, they could, they could dialogue, they could talk about, uh, okay, this is what it looks like to, to hand out bulletins and to smile or to set up or to tear down. But the old person will help them because they'll have to train that new person and be reaffirmed and reminded of that culture, of those expectations, of those rules. And so the, the tool that I use for this is, is um, it's a relational tool and it's it's a, just a simple five-step process. It's I do, You watch, we talk. See, I'm the leader. I I do it. I want you to watch me and and then we'll talk. So when I'm recruiting someone, hey, just just come over here. Look what I'm doing. See how I'm doing it. You just watch. Be a part of it. Come with me and we'll talk about it. Then the second thing is I do, you help, we talk. Hey, uh, uh, see how I led that small group? Um, Why don't you open us up in prayer and then let's talk about it. The third thing is you do, I help, we talk. Next week, how about you lead the discussion? I'll open up in prayer, and and then um, we could talk about it. The fourth thing is, you do, I watch, we talk. You go ahead and lead the small group. Now, I can't make it, uh, or I'm just going to observe, and then we'll talk about it. And then lastly, you do, and then someone else watches. See, and lastly, you could say, well, I believe in you. You go ahead and do it, and you find an apprentice. Now you find someone to pass it on. See, it's a relational training, and this relational model actually helps retain people, because when we're ca- when we're caring for people and praying for them and talking and in relationship, it creates relationship. It doesn't just create rules. And people see that we care about them. We're not just using them, that we love them and we're building relationship and in unity and in fellowship. And some of the greatest friends that I have and the bonds that I have are the people that I serve with. And so if you can connect your volunteers to relationships, they're gonna be able to um, serve longer and you're gonna be able to retain them longer. Well, the fourth thing that we see is we need to explain, uh, we need to explain to them Uh, and give them instruction, but we also need to give them purpose. We need to give our volunteers purpose. What do I mean by that? Well, we need to explain the why. Jesus said, follow me, and then he explains why. Because I will make you fishers of men. He told them that he had a greater purpose for them and gave them the why of following him. Hey, I know that you're fishing for fish, right? That's what we do, but I can make you fishers of men. I can give you a greater purpose. And see, we as leaders need to explain the what Right? What are you to do? Give the manual, give the instruction, let people ask questions, but we also need to make sure as leaders we explain the why, the purpose of what we're doing. And this is so important because the why is what motivates leaders. It's what motivates volunteers and people. It stirs our hearts, it gives us purpose. Let me explain this to you. We find this in the gospel. The gospel, 1 Corinthians says, is Jesus came according to scripture, He died according to scripture. He rose again according to scripture. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, right? That's the what of the gospel. But the why is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came according to scripture, died according to scripture, and rose again according to scripture. But the why, right? That's the what. But the why is that he loves us. And Romans 2, 4 tells us that it's by God's loving kindness that leads us to repentance. That the why stirs our hearts and motivates us. Love motivates our hearts, causes us to act, and this is why the why is important. If we don't give the why to people of what they're doing, or why they're doing what they're doing, then it just becomes mundane. There's no point, there's no purpose. So we have to give purpose. Why are people greeting at the door? Why are people setting up, are cleaning, are leading? We need to understand and explain that. So as leaders, we wanna continually be pouring in vision and explaining why. And a tool that I use to explain the why is just simply share stories. Because we have to connect the dots for people. What we're doing on a Sunday morning, it actually makes a difference. It actually is important. I'm always thinking thought, thinking of Nehemiah chapter eight when I think about Sunday mornings, because in Nehemiah chapter eight, the people served and got together to build a platform so that Nehemiah could preach the word of God. And so we're a portable, smaller church. And so we meet in the school and have to set up, have to tear down. And for the setup team, I, I, I think, man, you guys are just as important as the mouthpiece or as a greeter welcoming people. We've had many people in our church that have never gone to church before. They're scared they tell me in the parking lot. So I I try to communicate to the greeters, hey, here's why you greet, because people don't follow a sign, they follow a person. Walk them, help them, walk them to class and show them the sanctuary and engage in conversation. And I I try to tell stories to the, setup team. Hey, you know, what we're doing is we're building a platform so the Word of God may go forth. Uh, Because they did this, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, because they built a platform and the Word of God went forth, well, um, the people cried, they repented, and they followed God. See, even the why of Sundays is important. We don't just do things because we do them. It's important to create a platform of worship, of praise, and the Word of God to go forth. Why do we do this? Because the word of God doesn't return void. It's effective. So as a leader, I wanna connect those dots and and give the importance of serving. I show baptism videos and share my story videos, testimonies, and the things that I hear, I pass that on the team. So um, I want them to understand. Like we recently had a friend that came to service and. They're immigrants and they just uh, are new to America and so they went to New York. This was one of their first vacations and and they have children and so they have no family in New York uh, to watch their children. The wife came and she had talked to us and she said that was the first time that I had worshipped Jesus with my husband just to be able to sing alone because I dropped off my children and they were being watched by your children workers. It was amazing. And so I shared that story with our with our child care workers, with our Redemption Kids ministry. I said, hey guys, many times, the only time people get dates, husband and wife here in South Florida, because it's so transient and so many people move, they don't have family, they get to worship Jesus. It, it means something, it's important. So when you watch a child and you create a safe environment, you kneel down, this child is, has had a struggle going into different environments, but yet he was welcomed and open and you just felt loved that, The mom and the dad were able to worship Jesus in that moment because of it. That makes a huge difference of why you're doing things. Now it's not just childcare, but you're pouring into a family. You're you're loving children. You're teaching them the Word of God so their parents can worship Jesus and and learn about Him through the Word. And, And so you have to give these stories to help people see the why. And so Jesus gives these disciples a purpose. But then the next thing we see is you have to be real with people. You have to be real with people. When we talk about recruitment, we can't exaggerate. We can't lie, right? We're Christians, right? That would be a bad thing. We have to tell people when we recruit them that serving isn't always easy. Now, Jesus was real with these guys. Is is following Jesus worth it? Absolutely. But is it hard? Absolutely. See, fishing, fishers of men, would still imply that there was work fishing is still work. Luke 5, 5, the, the Bible says that these disciples worked all night long laboring to try to get fish. So when he Jesus gave that illustration that you'll be fishers of men, he was implying, hey, there will be great reward, but there will be also great work. It's a mistake to make ministry so appealing and so easy um, because it's not all that appealing sometimes. It's not all that easy sometimes. Uh, Jesus asked the disciples to follow him. Remember, this was the guy that Luke, Uh, 958 tells us the guy that had no home it it wouldn't just be a piece of cake but it would be a greater life than what they had and so he tells us as even as believers to count the cost he says that we should be real about serving him and sacrifice serving on Sundays I tell people is like taking out the trash Uh, you, you have to do it or you'll die and what do I mean by that well it may not always be enjoyable but it's necessary doing chores is a part of being a part of the family. And we're to serve our gifts with everything that we do, not just on Sundays, but it's important to serve on Sundays. Sometimes even as the pastor, I'm sick. I sing worship with a sinus infection or I'll have a headache, but I still have to sacrifice and go and be a part of the family and take out the trash and do the thing that God's called me to do. And and sometimes it may be teaching, sometimes for my other people, maybe greeting sometimes it may be on the worship team whatever responsibility you have most of the time it's going to be amazing it's going to be great but can we be honest sometimes we just don't want to serve sometimes we're in our flesh we're tired we're sick we're we're frustrated we just don't see the purpose and we just have to make the commitment and to sacrifice and you know what saying that is okay because we don't base our our life off of feelings we base it off of faith off the Word of God and the Word of God tells us that serving others is worth it and so the simple tool that I use for uh, for this aspect of letting people know that ministry is hard at times is just simply encouragement we as leaders need to encourage those that are volunteering and that will help retain them and one of the ways that we encourage them is through God's Word Now Jesus of course is that perfect example of this because he was the living word. But let, let me just tell you, people need encouragement not to give up. And they be, need to be reminded of God's truth. Jesus, with his disciples, would always bring them alongside and then speak life into them. And even if you think about the Sermon on the Mount, bring them up to the mountain and giving them truths of God's kingdom. And we as leaders need to do this. So in, in my back pocket, I, I just have simple verses that I want to encourage people with. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust to, as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for for men. Listen, people just need to be reminded and washed in God's word and God's word brings forth life and brings forth encouragement. Romans 15, four says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of scripture, we might have hope. And so we want to encourage people through God's word, but we also just want to encourage people by appreciating the work that they're doing for the Lord. It's okay to tell your volunteers, thank you. Uh, We personally write out thank you cards for volunteers. I I, I notice things about people, and I send them texts. I'm thinking of, um, there's a great volunteer, a lady, Maxine. She's always in the cafe in the back, just always doing great and amazing things serving the body and and no one sees it she's always the last one to leave when she's serving in that area and and people are talking but she's washing the dishes and making sure everything's good and i want to tell her thank you i want to let her know that she her job makes a difference and that i see that and i appreciate it and you know even when i don't see it the lord sees it and so we want to let people know and just encourage them that hey what they're doing makes a difference because what they're doing it takes sacrifice It takes time. There is a commitment level to serving uh, the body of Christ, whether it be in the church on a Sunday morning or outside. The leadership capacity or things that God's calling to do, but it is definitely worth it. So I like to tell people thank you. I like to give them words of encouragement any way I can. The last thing I see from this text is that um, this this text tells us that we're to rely on God. Uh, God does a great work. Now listen, Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, I will make you. He promises to do the hard work and to transform lives. He says in John 15 that as we abide in him, we'll bear fruit. We just need to abide and continue to trust in him and be willing to step out in faith. And so we need to rely on God. If we're going to recruit people and retain people, we need to rely on God to, to stir it in people's hearts. To be able to minister to them. To have the Holy Spirit mature people and convict them and to give them gifts. Because whatever little gifts and effort that we do, God multiplies it by faith. And so God is always using the little things that we offer and multiplying it. Even our broken lives. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. He was having a struggle with the Lord about... Could God even use him and take this away? And, and, and he said that God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, what we're doing is impossible without the Holy Spirit. What, people, what you want people to do to make a spiritual deposit or investment in someone else's life is impossible without the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on God and understand that He will transform people's lives. As we're serving out, it's not just us, but it's God working through us. Ultimately, serving God and His people must be a thing of the Spirit to be effective. And so Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor in vain... Those build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Zechariah four six says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We serve in God's strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we must trust God and His sovereignty to use even broken people like us. Because Jesus chose weak vessels, His disciples, and said, I'll do the work. And so we have to be able to choose people and say, God, You do the work. And the simple tool for this is prayer. We need to be praying for our volunteers. If we're going to recruit and we're going to retain volunteers, it has to be a work of the Spirit. God has to mature people. He has to give them the motivation. He has to strengthen them and empower them. Luke 10, uh, 2 tells us that we should pray for laborers. And Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Luke 11, it would go on and Jesus would tell us that we have to ask God for His Spirit and we need to be continually reliant on Him. And so the simplest tool, the greatest tool that you can do to retain people, to recruit people uh, in this area to rely on God is simply by praying. Thy will be done on earth that is in heaven to stay dependent on Him. You know, I set my alarm for 10.02 in the morning, every morning. So that way, It reminds me, God, I'm supposed to pray for labors. The harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. We have systems in place where before every event, after every event, during every event, we pray. Uh, Every first Wednesday of the month, we fast as a church. We even have connection cards, not just for new people, but on the back, it says, how can we pray for you? We want to be a people and a group and a community that, that, man, just prays on the spot, that relies on God. And so this is the a great way to recruit and retain people through a supernatural way of just praying and asking God. And so Jesus recruited people to accomplish the great vision that the Father had given him to expand his kingdom. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I'm praying that as we look to Jesus' example, we will do the same thing, taking some of these principles from this passage and just simply using it to continue to serve God, to continue to influence people and have them come a part of our team. And we want to recruit with no shame, no guilt, with a smile on our face, and we want to love and retain people and serve Christ together. Well, as we recruit people to our team, we have to shepherd them. We have to think about loving them and reaching them and retaining them. And this week's one piece of advice uh, touches on this subject. It talks about the importance of shepherding your team, shepherding the people that you're serving with. Uh, It's by a, a pastor mentor friend, Dr. Warren Gage, who serves in Fort Lauderdale and I had the privilege to have weekly Bible studies with him. And He's just been a huge blessing and encouragement to me. He's one that not only preaches this message but has practiced it. Been being able to you know have amazing hour and a half Bible studies every Friday and we study the scripture together and discuss issues and it's just so cool to be able to see this lived out. And so next season, I actually have him sharing a lesson, but I want to just to introduce you to him and encourage uh, you through the words he has to say. And so here is his one piece of advice. You're listening to One Piece of Advice, brought to you by eeleaders.com, a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders.
1: Hi, my name is Warren Gage, and I am a pastor here in South Florida in Fort Lauderdale, uh, ordained PCA, but raised Southern Baptist. My uh, privilege in life has been to work with two world-renowned evangelists, Dr. W.A. Criswell, longtime pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, and Dr. D. James Kennedy. A uh, long-time pastor of uh, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church here in Fort Lauderdale, and what I learned from both of those men was amazing. I learned to love for the gospel, and sharing the gospel from Dr. Kennedy, uh, from Dr. Criswell, who was my mentor when I was very young. Uh, he told us he called us his preacher boys; those who were training for ministry, and he. He said that very lovingly and he said, uh, he encouraged all of us to seek a pastor's heart. He said that to seek a pastor's heart, a shepherd's heart, pastor is the Latin word for shepherd, to seek a shepherd's heart is to share in the heart of Christ himself. And he was so right. And what I found, uh, serendipity, something you weren't looking for but it's wonderful uh, and unexpected. What I found is a serendipity from that advice. If you seek a shepherd's heart, you'll have insight into scripture that very few will have. Uh, You'll see it through the the heart and the eyes of no one less than the Great Shepherd himself, uh, who is Jesus. So be encouraged, uh, seek that heart, study the Savior, learn his love for his people, the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, Be encouraged in all of that, and you will lead a blessed life and be a a blessing to many, many people. Uh, So God love you and be with you in your ministry as the days unfold. And look forward to that day when you will give an account to the Good Shepherd, and he will tell you, uh, well
0: done, good and faithful servant. Well, as we follow Jesus, we shouldn't do it alone. Paul said, imitate me as I follow Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. And so we're learning that teams are important in our leadership and we need to make sure that we're empowering them to serve Jesus as well. It's not just us, we're doing it with people and so on. Next episode we're going to have pastor bill mitchell talk about ways to empower our team pastor bill serves at boca community church out in boca raton florida and speaks on leadership all over the world but god is using him in a great way to impact our community here in our area in some exciting ways that i want to share with you next week about and so uh, really excited to share that lesson with you. Thanks so much for being a part of this community, for being a part of this team, for allowing me to pour into you. And I pray that you can continue to pass that on to other people. I pray today's lesson was helpful for you. And just remember, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And so I'm praying that God would send more labors uh, to help us serve uh, Him, to just increase our capacity and our love for the people that we're serving with. And so until next time, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons Podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.